Well, we move from some fathers to another father. Uh, today, we get to hear from one of the spiritual fathers of Living Hope. Uh, Dave Wells was uh, the overseer of, of Living Hope for a long time. He, uh, he was Scott's mentor and overseer for a number of years. And so I've been able to be under Dave's ministry for Oh, gosh, a number of years. I don't know how many times I've heard him preach. Many times I've heard him preach Sunday mornings. I've heard him preach at pastor's retreats. I've heard him preach at conference. I've heard him preach online. He is He's a good preacher. He always brings a good word, full of conviction and full of the Spirit of God. And so would you welcome Dave Wells as he comes to preach? Hey, good morning, everyone. And uh, I know you have some people watching online, so good morning to you, too. And it's really great to, uh, to be here this morning and uh, see you again. It's been a while, but uh, I'm a little older from the party the last time you saw me, but uh, still alive. And, um, and hopefully I can, uh, if I can get my iPad to work right here, hopefully I can share a few things with you the, this morning. I want to bring you greetings from, from Linda. Some of you would remember her. She wasn't able to come with me today, but I brought Ron this morning, who promised me that he'd just prophesy over everybody that's here this morning at the end of the service. I just said that to make him sweat a little bit. Uh, but uh, Linda couldn't make it this morning because she's leading our, new, our new, uh, connect, Newcomers Connections class that we that we do periodically in our church, and she's, she's leading that this morning. So anyway, she brings, I want to bring greetings to you on, on behalf of her. So let's pray together, shall we, shall we? Let's get right into it. Father, we want to exalt you and uh, praise you this morning. We thank you for just a powerful time of worship and sensing your presence this morning. And Lord, that's really what it's all about. It's, it's about you changing our lives. It's about you encouraging us and strengthening us this morning. And so Father, we pray as we spend a bit of time in your word today, that you would uh, challenge us, that you would encourage us. Lord, you know where every person is at here today, those who are watching online and those who are here physically. Lord, you know where we are, and you know what we need. And we pray, Lord, by the Holy Spirit, that, Lord, you, if you just say one thing to us this morning that really gives us pause and causes us to say, you know what, I need to make a decision about that. And so, Lord, I, I just uh, ask for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, I have, uh, I know you have favorite verses in the Bible, and I have one too, and it's probably one that is probably one of your favorites. Uh, it's pretty common, but Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verses 5 to 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Uh, do not lean on your own, your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Are you familiar with that verse? And uh, I love that verse. It's just packed uh, with truth that can literally... Uh, transform your life, and it certainly has transformed mine. And so it talks about something called straight paths, and it's, this scripture is assuming something. It's assuming that you're on a pathway, and the fact is you are, and so am I. And, uh, and that path is not just an aimless path. For example, when Ron and I set out uh, to come to Estevan this morning, we didn't take Highway 11. We would have ended up in Saskatoon if we would have taken Highway 11, but we took Highway 6, which led us 
to Estevan. So highways lead to places. And if I want to hit a certain destination in my life, I need to get on the right highway. And so it's true, it's true uh, spiritually, financially, relationally, every aspect of your life, you're on a pathway that's leading you to a certain destination. And so the question is, are you on the right path to lead you to the destinations that you want to be to? And so the Bible actually talks a lot about that. And I just want to give you, just read you some scriptures to show you how, how often God talks about this. In Psalm 17, 4, it says, And as for the deeds of men, by the word of your lips, I have kept from the paths of the violent. So there are certain pathways that violent people run down. You can turn on the 11 o'clock news at night and you can, you can read about it. You can hear about it. And then Psalm 23, verse 3, we like this one. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. There are paths of righteousness. Uh, Proverbs 2.8, guarding the paths of justice. And he preserves the way of his godly ones. There are pathways of justice. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 12 says, To deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness. There are paths of uprightness. Psalm 25, 4, Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Do you know that God has pathways? Pathways that he wants you and I to walk on. Psalm 25:10 All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Well, I don't know about you, but I want as much loving kindness and truth as I can get in my life. But there are pathways that lead me to that. Psalm 65:11 If you have you have crowned the year with your bounty and your paths drip with fatness. Fatness meaning prosperity. Fatness meaning blessing, not, not this kind of fatness, amen? But the pathways that, that lead to prosperity in your life. How many people want to prosper in your life? Do you know that there are pathways? God wants you to prosper in your life in every aspect. I'm not just talking financially, but I'm certainly including that. That there are pathways that can make you fat, not this kind of fat, but fat in all the ways that you'd like to be fat. And there are certain pathways that lead to those kinds, of, those kinds of destinations. And Jeremiah said this. He said, Thus saith the Lord, Stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. You know, there's a lot of people uh, that experience a lot of anxiety in life. We're seeing with this whole COVID thing that's been going on for the last year and a half, almost two years now, we're seeing a lot of mental health issues. We're seeing a lot of anxiety. I personally, as a pastor, am seeing more of that kind of stuff than I've ever seen in all my history of being a, being a leader and being a pastor. There's all kinds of reasons for that, but there's lots of that going on. And people are really looking for rest for their souls. But can I tell you, there is a pathway. When I walk in the pathways of the Lord, it brings rest to my soul. <clears throat> now, some people have this idea that, well, you know, I made one bad decision, and, uh, and look at the circumstances that, that I'm in. But what people who say that, 
don't realize is that it wasn't just one decision. It was actually a number of decisions that actually led to that bad decision that that person made. You say, well, I, I'm at a bad destination. You know, I just made a mistake, or I just made a poor decision about that. If it hadn't been for that one poor decision, I'd be in a different place today. That's not true. Uh, there was a whole journey that that person took to get to that bad decision. That's a pathway. And so a pathway is a, actually a, a course of direction that you're taking. For me to leave Regina and get to Estevan, I have to travel southeast. I have to go in a certain direction. The highway that I took this morning led me in, in a southeast direction. And so a pathway is a direction that you're taking in your life. And that's true of individuals. It's also true of you as a church, by the way, that every church is on pathways. Every church is heading somewhere. You as a local church in Estevan, you're on a journey and you're heading somewhere. And what you need to do is look down the road and say, if I keep on this pathway, what destination am I going to hit? Where am I going to end up? And that's true of you individually. It's true of you if you're a couple here this morning. It's true of you as a couple. It's true of you as a church. If I keep walking the way I'm walking, where am I going to end up? What is going to be my destination? Let me give you an example. How many of you have heard of a guy named Oscar Pistorius? Anybody heard of that guy? Anybody here? Wow. Have you ever heard of a guy named the Blade Runner? who was famous a number of years ago from South Africa. Remember that guy? The guy who was in the Olympics? His name was Oscar Pistorius. And I, I followed his life. Say, well, where is he today? He's in jail. He's in prison. Why? He murdered his girlfriend. He shot her in a bathroom, through the bathroom door, I forget how many times. And he said it was a mistake. He said he thought it was an intruder that was, he thought an intruder had broken into his house and was hiding in the bathroom, and he got up in the middle of the night, and he saw the light on, he pulled out his gun, and he shot several times through the bathroom door. And then realized, you know what, I think my girlfriend's in there. And she was. And he killed her. Now you say, well, you know, he made a bad decision that night. I mean, it was a reckless decision. It was a bad decision. It was a mistake. That's what he tried to say. He said it was a mistake. Uh, that's not who I am. Uh, it just was an unfortunate series of, of events that night that led me to pull up my revolver and pump so many four or five bullets through the bathroom door. And I didn't know she was in there. Well, the court didn't, didn't actually believe him, and he was found guilty of murder, and he, sends, he was sent to prison. Now, Oscar Pistorius, if you look at his life, from a materialistic point of view, he had it made. I mean, he was famous. He was famous all over the world. Even though you and Estevan have hardly heard of him, <laughs> believe me, <laughs> he, he was famous. <laughs> and I, I, I was fascinated by it when this whole thing came in the news. I was fascinated by it, so I followed it. And when you actually study his life, it was not a one-time-off mistake. He was following a pathway that led him to that situation where he pulled out his gun one night and shot his, 
shot his girlfriend dead behind the bathroom door. The prosecutor said he didn't just, he knew she was in there. The prosecution said he was in a rage, and they surmised that the reason he shot her was she was going to leave him. And so he shot her in the bathroom that, that night. If you look at his life, he lived a reckless life. He was famous. He was arrogant. He was rich. He had, he had a fascination with guns. He was careless with guns. He carried guns. He shot off his gun one time in a restaurant. Another time he was driving in a friend's car, and he shot his gun through the roof of the car. I mean, if you look at his life and his attitudes and the decisions he made, he was, he was on a pathway. He was on a pathway of destruction, which finally led to that night when he, in a fit of rage, killed his girlfriend and ended up in prison. And now instead of being famous, he's a pariah. Instead of being famous, he is, instead of being wealthy, he is broke. Instead of being free, he is in prison. It wasn't just one bad decision in a point of time. He was on a journey, he was on a pathway that led to that decision. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Yeah. And so that's true not only of Oscar Pistorius. That's true of you and me too. Whether it be a bad decision or a good decision. What pathways are you walking on this morning? It's true of us as a congregation. What pathways are we walking on right now? And, whatever, and we're walking towards destinations in our life. And the question is, are we going to be happy when we get to that destination? Are we going to be satisfied with that destination? Sometimes, you know, we're a little bit schizophrenic when we say, you know, I'm going to, I want to walk this pathway. I don't want the destination that my pathway is leading me to. I want Ron's pathway. Or I want Pastor Mike's pathway. I want his destination story. I want... I want the results that are going to be in his life or the destination that's going to be in Ron's life. I want to walk my path and hit his destination. That's insanity. Life doesn't work like that. God doesn't work like that. And so the principle of the path is a principle of Scripture, just like the principle of sowing and reaping is a principle of Scripture. You, you reap what you sow. That's the principle. Amen? Generally, it's true. And it's the same thing with the path. The principle of the path is the path is leading you somewhere. And you are going to hit that target. And I'm going to hit that target. <clears throat> you know, sometimes I get people that, that uh, come to me for counseling. And maybe they're having difficulty financially or they're having difficulty with their marriage. And say, Dave, I want you to fix me. I want you to fix my financial situation. I want you to fix my marriage. Dave, can you just kind of give me a one-off? Uh, can you just kind of lay your hands on me and pray for me and maybe prophesy over me or maybe give me a nugget of wisdom that will absolutely transform and change my destination? You know what? That's not, that's not possible. It's not a matter of changing a decision. It's not a matter of getting a word of counsel. If you, want, if you don't like the destination you're heading to or where you find yourself, change your path. If you want something different. <clears throat> Amen. You know, um, when Linda and I got married, which is 52 year, over 52 years ago now. Um, Praise God. Amen. 
Uh, we made some decisions. Uh, we weren't Christians at the time. Neither Linda and I were born again. Uh, I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe God even existed. But we made a couple of decisions right at the beginning of our married life that actually were the right decisions by the grace of God and put us on a pathway that has led to 52 years of, great, of a great marriage. One of, the path, one of the decisions we made at the very beginning, before we were even married, we decided that we would not, that we would not plunge ourselves into debt, that we would handle our finances, that if we couldn't pay for it, we wouldn't have it. Now, we've had to do without some things, but we sleep good at night. Amen? And so we decided we're not going to live in massive debt. We're not going to plunge. We're not going to live beyond our means. We're going to live according to what we can actually pay for. <clears throat> and if we hadn't chosen that financial path, we probably never would have gone into the ministry. Because a day came in our life, several years later, where the Lord said, I want you to quit your job and go plant churches. If we had not been financially free, we never would have been able to do it. But because financially we didn't owe anybody anything, we absolutely had no, no debt. And I'm talking about when I was 30 years old. We had no debt. We were free. And because we had lived that way financially, and we still live that way financially, we were free to follow what God had for us. And so that decision, that pathway, that financial pathway that we walked on actually allowed us to walk the pathway of, that God had for us, even in terms of being involved in full-time ministry, which is now well over 40 years. Another thing that happened the night before we got married, uh, though Linda and I were not, were not born again, we were not Christians, we were not churchgoers at all, Linda had, a, my wife had an uncle who was, a, was in, who, who was a Christian. He was the only Christian in the family, the entire family. And uh, the night before we got married, we kind of had a rehearsal, a wedding rehearsal, and then we had a, a rehearsal party at, at my wife's parents' house. And, of course, her relatives were there. Some of mine were there. And her uncle, who I'd never seen before, never met before, he's from the United States, he had just come up for the wedding, he said to Linda and I, I want just a few minutes alone with the two of you. So we said, okay. We had no idea what, what he wanted to talk to us about. And so he sat us down, he looked at us, and he said, I have one piece of advice for you in terms of your wedding. He said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And that was it. He got up and walked away. And so I didn't know that was in the Bible. Uh, I didn't, but Linda and I were just the two of us who were sitting in this room by ourselves. We looked at each other, and I said to her, you know what? That is a great piece of advice. Don't let the sun go down in your wrath. See, what does that mean? It means you don't carry today's fight into tomorrow. It means you resolve today's issues today. And so I said to Linda, let's make a covenant right now, just between you and me. Tomorrow we're going to stand at an altar and make our vows to one another. But let's just make a covenant right now that we will never go to bed angry at each other. That we will never go to bed with an unsettled issue between us. And so we agreed. And I said, let's also hold each other accountable to that. Now, I want to tell you, we've had a few late nights in our marriage, but we have never gone to bed without resolving that issue. 
we have never woken up the next day with a hangover based upon yesterday's fight. Can I tell you, that was a pathway of resolving issues, of forgiving each other, of speaking the truth to each other, of dealing with today's issues today that has had a huge impact in our marriage relationship. And we still follow that piece of advice right to this day. Can I tell you, church, if you don't hear anything else I say, if you're a married couple here today, it's gold. Hang on to it. Now, it takes humility. It means you've got to humble yourself. It means you need to forgive each other. It means you've got to talk the truth to one another. It means you've got to deal with today's stuff today. But any time that Linda and I bump heads, which isn't very often, but when we do, we're only dealing with today's issue. We're not dealing to issue last week or last year or five years ago or ten years ago. We are dealing only with that one thing. What happens to, as a pastor, what happens, happens oftentimes is I'll have a couple that will come to me for marriage counseling. And they've got 20 years of garbage. 20 years and a garbage can of stuff. And they say, hey, Pastor Dave, can you solve our problem for us? It's like untangling a, a pile of fish line, a barrel of fish line in a barrel. You can't find a loose end anywhere. And the only thing you can do with that is burn the barrel. Start again. Start over. Get on the right pathway. But you see, that's a pathway that has affected Linda and ours, my, our married life. It has affected our life. It has put us down a certain pathway, a certain journey. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That was a pathway that we chose. And I like the destination. 52 years later, we're still happily married. Amen? Amen. I like the financial pathway that we've chosen personally. When I came to Harvest City Church in Regina in 1987, the church was in massive debt. The bank was foreclosing on us. It was a financial disaster. Every, people were saying to me, Dave, why don't we just declare bankruptcy and close the church? How did we get there? Because 10 years before that, the previous leadership team had walked a pathway of financial indebtedness and we had like $2 million on our credit card. It was impossible. Today, we own property that's worth millions of dollars, absolutely debt-free. How did that happen? We changed paths. We didn't get there in five minutes, but we did get there. We changed our pathway. What happened to us in 1987 wasn't the unfortunate... Uh, we say, hey, we made one bad decision, we ended up with all this debt. Oh, no. The church had walked a pathway for 10 years, which led to that kind of situation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? <clears throat> Direction determines destination. And what I'm saying to you is true in every area of life. You know, in Proverbs chapter 7, it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a read, but let's just read the scripture. Proverbs 7, verse 6 to 27, talks about a foolish man. It says, For I, at the window of my house, I think it'll be on your screen. For at the window of my house, I looked out through my lattice, and I saw among the naive, and discerned among the youth, a young man lacking sense. Passing through the street near her corner, and he takes away to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night, and in the darkness. And behold, a woman comes to meet him, 
dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart. She is boisterous and rebellious. Her feet do not remain at home. She is now in the streets, now in the squares, lurks by every corner. So she seizes him and kisses him. And with a brazen face, she says to him, I was due to offer peace offerings. Today I paid my vows. Therefore, I have come out to meet you, to seek your presence earnestly. And I found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, with colored linens of Egypt. I have sprinkled my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us drink our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with caresses, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him. At the full moon, he will come home. With her many persuasions, she entices him. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. Suddenly, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter. Or is one in fetters to the disciplines of a fool? Until an arrow pierces through his liver as a bird hastens to the snare, and he does not know that it will cost him his life. Now therefore, my sons, listen to me and pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her, what? Pass. For many are the victims she has cast down, and numerous are all her slain. Her house is the way or the pathway to Sheol or to hell, descending to the chambers of death. In other words, that young man that this proverb is describing is making, is not just making one bad decision one night. He is making, he's on the wrong pathway, which will eventually lead to his destruction. This is not an isolated event, not an isolated decision. This man is choosing. He's choosing a direction. He's choosing a pathway, which will lead to a destination that, believe me, he does not want to go to. Is there any, is there any water, Mike? I wouldn't mind. My voice throat's kind of closing up here. Okay, let me, let me bring this to a conclusion. How do I get on the right path? Let me give you three things. <clears throat> First of all, don't ignore warning signs and consider the destination of the path that you are presently on. Now, every one of us here this morning, we're on pathways. You're on a pathway spiritually this morning. You are. How are you doing spiritually? What kind of pathway are you on? Um... What kind of pathway are you on financially? Where's it going to head? Thanks, Mike. How about your marriage? If you're married here this morning, how's it going? What kind of pathway are you on? Oh, it's going somewhere. Um, and it doesn't matter what area of your life you want to choose. Let me tell you something. You are on a path. And that path is going to hit a destination. And you are not going to hit somebody else's destination. You're going to hit yours. And so you need to stop for a second, look down the road, and say, um, where do I think this pathway is actually going to go? And if it doesn't look good, if you say, well, I don't like that destination that I'm heading for, now would be a good time to say, I think I need to change paths. Can I tell you that on pathways... On every pathway, there are warning signs. There are indicators that you're either on a good path or you're on a bad path. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 12 says this. A prudent man sees evil 
and hides himself. He's talking about a pathway. The naive proceed and pay the penalty. Two types of people. There is the, there is the prudent man and there's the naive. The prudent man looks down the pathway and says, uh-oh, there are certain things on that road that are, in, that are flashing red lights at me. Get off this road. You are heading for a ditch. Get off the road. The prudent man says, oops, I'm on the wrong path. I'm changing highways. Amen? The naive just keeps on going. Now, who is the naive? Well, the naive is a guy who, the, who, who, doesn't, who doesn't look down the road. The prudent man looks down the road, sees the future outcome, and says, uh, I'm getting out of here. The naive, he thinks that tomorrow never comes. He thinks that, you know what, I'm enjoying this path right now. I'm getting a lot of satisfaction on this pathway. I like it. My eyes are on my, about one foot in front of my feet. I'm not looking down the road at all. That's the naive. It's like the guy we just read in Proverbs 6 who got onto the, her pathways and ended up in hell. He didn't see where that destination actually led. The prudent man understands that life is connected. He connects the dots and says, Oh, when I look at all the dots, it's not going in a good direction. The naive never connects the dots. He just lives for today. He just says, well, today's great. Tomorrow will never happen. Can I tell you something, church? Tomorrow does come. It does come. <clears throat> the prudent man sees the future as now. The naive sees tomorrow as always being tomorrow. The second thing is, don't trade the future for today. Esau is an example who traded the future for today. He said he traded his whole future, and you know the story, for a pot of stew. He was hungry. And Jacob said, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll feed you some of my stew here if you give me your birthright. And Esau said, well, what's the point? He rationalized. He said, well, what's the point? If I die, I'm not going to get my inheritance. Anyways, listen, he wasn't dying. He wasn't starving to death. He was just hungry. And so he traded his entire birthright for a pot of stew. Did he regret it later? Yes, because you know why? He hit his destination. Boom. No birthright. No blessing. Jacob got it all. He forfeited. Then it says he wept with tears. You read in the New Testament, he wept with tears. Too late. So, you know, there's a saying that goes like this. Easy choices, hard life. Hard choices, easy life. <clears throat> What's that mean? It means if I make soft choices today with my life, I'm going to have a hard life. If I make some hard decisions right now, some sacrificial decisions right now, I'm going to have an easy life. Now, that's not, I mean, there are circumstances that happen in life that are beyond our control. That's true. But generally speaking, generally speaking, you want an easy life, you have to make some hard choices. <clears throat> if you want a hard life, make some easy ones. Say, I'm just going to go with what my flesh wants. That's true financially, relationally, spiritually. 
our health. You know, one of the things that's interesting is it's easy for, easier for us to see the destination that other people are going to hit than it is to see where our own destination is going to hit. Isn't that true? We can look at other people and say, man, that guy keeps following that path. He's going to hit the wall. What's the matter with that guy? It's easy for us to see the destinations of other people. But can I look in the mirror and see my own destination? You say, well, that's a bit harder. Yeah, that's why you need to have some wise people speak into your life and say, hey, you know me? Where do you think I'm going to land? It's not a bad, bad thing to do, actually. If you, have the, if you have the courage, go to some wise people in your life that will tell you the truth and say, hey, where do you think I'm going to land? Spiritually? Relationally? In my marriage? In my family? Where, knowing what you know about me, how, do, how am I doing? It's not a bad idea. You know, Matthew said, Jesus said this, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. So Jesus talked about that. You know, you've probably heard the, old, the whole old adage, you know, you can really trust your heart. Have you ever heard that? Just follow your heart. It's not always good advice according to Scripture. Jeremiah said this, the heart is deceitful above all, all else. Who can know it? I can't always trust my heart. So, well, Dave, what can you trust? You can trust the Scriptures. You can trust the Word of God. Amen? Amen. My heart doesn't always tell me the truth, but the Scriptures always tell me the truth. And the third thing is acknowledge God and don't lean to your own understanding. The proverb we started with this morning is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Acknowledge Him in all your ways. Do not lean on your own understanding. And He will put your feet on straight paths. I want my feet on straight paths, not crooked ones. And so what's, lean, what's leaning into your own understanding? Well, that's rationalizing. We're good at that, aren't we? We can rationalize. We can rationalize anything. But when we're rationalizing our decisions or rationalizing our life choices that are contrary to Scripture, we are naive. We are a fool. We are going to still hit a destination that we don't want. You know, one of the, one of the most shocking people who hit the wrong destination is the guy who wrote these Proverbs. His name was Solomon. He wrote the Proverbs that we're quoting here this morning. He wrote it down. The problem is, he didn't follow it. I mean, if you look at Solomon, if anybody should have hit the right destination, it should have been him. I mean, when he was born, he was personally named by God. He wasn't called Solomon. That was David's name for him. He's, his real name was Jedediah. And God himself named Solomon Jedediah. What did that mean? It meant that... It, Solomon had an incredible destiny, an incredible path to walk on. He was God's choice. His destiny was fantastic, his future. Do you know that he ruled an area five times bigger than David ever ruled? He was incredibly prosperous. He had, he, he had two personal encounters with the living God. I mean face-to-face -face encounters with the living God, two 
But he leaned on his own understanding. You say, how, what do you mean he leaned on his own understanding? Well, he was told never to multiply wives for himself, and that's exactly what he did. And he had 700 concubines and 300 wives. Why did he do that? Well, you know, he thought a lot, most of those marriages were to make alliances with other nations, to make peace treaties with other nations. He was relying on that rather than relying upon the fact that God was with him and that God was his protection. He leaned to his own understanding and ended up on a crooked path, which was destruction, not only for him, but destruction for his nation. It's shocking that the guy who wrote this didn't follow it. There was no record of ever having a Nathan in Solomon's life. David had a Nathan. He had somebody that could confront him, somebody that could speak to him about his pathway. Solomon never had a Nathan. Nobody ever spoke into his life. And of course, he hit the wall. Paul said, do, not, do you not know that those who run in a race all run? That only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Run what? Run your path. Run your route in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. That's hard choices, easy life. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. I realize that this is a pretty clear, hard-hitting word. But is it true or not? It's true. And what I'm challenging you to do today is this. Take stock. Take stock of where you are in your own personal life, in all the major areas of your life, and do a little inventory check and say, hey, if I continue on the pathway I'm on right now in the major areas of my life, what am I going to hit? And not only should you be doing that personally, but as a whole church, where are you going to hit? The emphasis that you have, the direction you're walking in as a congregation, are you happy with that? And that's part of a direction more I'm firing at, at the leadership here. I'm not saying at all that you're on the wrong pathway. Don't get me wrong. I don't know your pathways. I'm just saying that the principle of the pathway is a principle that is true. And so you and I have a choice today. I can be a prudent person or I can be naive. Right? And so let's be prudent. Let's stand this morning. I want to pray with you. <clears throat> but I also want to, I want to say this to you. If you're here and listening to this message this morning, whether you be online uh, this morning or whether you be here physically, and you say, you know what? Oops. I think there's some wrong paths in my life. I think my feet are treading some pathways that they shouldn't be. What am I going to do? You know, you can make a decision this morning to change paths. You say, well, I don't know, is it that simple? Yeah, actually it is. I didn't say it was easy. I'm saying it's simple. You've already done it. If you're here this morning and you're born again, you've already switched paths, right? You made a decision to follow Jesus as your personal Savior 
you changed your pathway, didn't you? Change your direction. The night that before Linda and I got married, we made a couple of decisions. Number one, we are not going to live in financial debt. Number two, we are not going to let the sun go down on our wrath. We just made a decision. We weren't, we weren't Christians, but we made a covenant together which we stuck to. We said, let's walk this pathway. Those decisions we stayed true to. And so I want to challenge you this morning. You can begin to change your life by changing your pathway. And you can do it this morning. Now, obviously, you have to be serious about it. You have to be sincere. I mean, there are people who decide, you know what, I, I want to go on a diet, and I want to lose weight, and there are people that do it. So I need to change my lifestyle. I need to change how I eat, and there are people that do that, and they succeed. Ron is an example of that. He did that a number of years ago. And so we can't make those kinds of decisions, church. And so you can make a decision. You might be here this morning and say, man, my marriage is not great. You know what? You can change that. You can change that. You can say, you know, we could have a strong, could you have a strong marriage? Yes, you could. You could. But you need to make a decision. I need to walk a different pathway. Hey, you know what? My spiritual life is kind of flagging. Yeah, I, I come to church, or maybe I'm not even going to church anymore, but I don't read my Bible anymore. I don't pray much anymore. Uh, I'm not feeding myself spiritually anymore. I'm kind of dry. Can I tell you this morning, you can change that. You need to change paths. You can be as spiritual as you want to be. Amen? Jesus is right here. He wants a relationship with you more than you want one with him. Amen? He's right here. You can change. Hey, man, financially, I'm in a bad place. You know what? You can change pathways and change that, and you can be shocked at how fast that can change. Just get on a different pathway. But you need to make a decision. So, hey, if you want to do that, I want to challenge you right now and say, hey, I need to make a decision and a pathway. I want you to come forward. I want to pray with you this morning. Amen? I want to pray with you this morning. Say, hey, you know what? I can think of an area in my life that I need to get on a different path, and I'm, I'm going to make it. Is there anybody here? Maybe this is a church full of everybody who's exactly on the right path in every area of your life. If that's the case, I need you to pray for me. Amen? <laughs> and if you're watching online this morning, you can just respond right online as well, right in your own house or wherever you're watching this. You can just get down on your knees right now and say, you know what, I'm going to change. I'm going to change something in my life. I'm going to change how I'm walking right now. Amen? Let me pray. <clears throat> you're still trying to come up here? I want to pray for you if that's the case. I want to lay hands on you. I want to pray for you this morning. You know, it starts with humility, right? It starts with saying, yeah, you know what, Dave, you're right. It's not even me. It's what's the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? Amen? Starts with that. Lord, I just uh, thank you for this church. I thank you for those who are watching online this morning. I just pray for, for them. I pray for myself. God, if there's a pathway that we're on that's not leading to a great destination, God, would you help us to not be naive would you open up our eyes and help us to see the direction in which we're walking? And Lord, we want to walk on good paths. We want to walk on paths that make us fat, that cause us to prosper in every way in our life. 
We want to walk on paths that lead to financial strength and stability. We want to walk on paths in our relationships, in our marriage relationships, or in other relationships where our relationships are strong. God, we want to walk on a path that causes us to draw closer and closer to you and to your presence and where we hear the voice of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray for this congregation this morning in Jesus' name. I pray for Mike and the other pastors and the other staff. I pray for the elders. I pray for the leaders of this church. I pray, God, that, God, you would speak to their hearts, that, Lord, that they would be able to accurately evaluate the pathway that they are on, even in terms of a, of a whole congregation. And, Lord, I pray that you'd put this church on straight paths. I pray you'd put every person that's listening to this message this morning on a straight path, a path that leads to blessing, a pathway that leads to prosperity, a pathway that leads to breakthrough, a pathway, Lord, that leads to life. Jesus, you said that we would have life and that we would have it abundantly. And Lord, that there would be abundant life in our, in our individual lives and in us as a congregation. And we want to praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just want us to, if there's a leadership team here, a prayer team, I just want us to, Ron and Mike, if we can, if we can just lay hands on these people here this morning. And just pray with him. I'll put on my mask and I just want to pray with you this morning. Mike, I don't know why you really want to dismiss the congregation or. Well, what a challenging word. What a good word to us this morning, isn't it? It's always a good reminder to, to look ahead at the path that we are headed on and to evaluate our next steps. Um, I want to invite those that recognize spiritually they, they maybe aren't on the right path. He, David talked about people coming in for marriage counseling. They come in with a barrel full of fish line that's all wrapped up and intertwined. And, and maybe you're feeling that way spiritually. Maybe you recognize, you know what, I don't, even, I don't even know the path to be on. But I know the one that I'm on is not right. And so we communicate that that is done in three steps. Recognize you're not perfect. Only Jesus is. And he lived that perfect sinless life so that you can, in your second step, receive that perfect sacrifice for your sins and to accept him as your Savior. And then the third step is to relinquish control of your life. Every decision, every step on your pathway is up to the Lord. And so if you want to do that this morning, then please come and find me. I would love to speak with you, and I'd love to get your feet on the right pathway. We're going to close in prayer and dismiss parents here, and uh, we're going to continue in ministry because we want, to, we want to help you make sure that you are on that right pathway. And uh, there's going to be coffee and cookies and snacks in the foyer, but don't leave without getting prayer if you'd like to receive prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are with us, that your word as a lamp to our feet is a light to our path. We thank you, Lord God, that you direct our footsteps, every single one of them. Lord, we want to be wholly submitted to you so that we don't even go to the left or to the right without your direction. 
We thank you, Lord, that you don't make us wander around like the Israelites did, but, Lord, that you make straight paths for us. We pray, Lord God, that as we are obedient to your leading, Lord, that we're not going to be, we're not going to be tired. We're not going to be uh, fed up with things, Lord God. We're going to be fed up with sin. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to be tired from doing a good day's work, from ministering in our days. But Lord, we're not going to be in the place where we are in despair. We thank you for that. Lord, would you bless our, our times with you? Would you lead us and direct us as we seek your face? And Lord, would you use us to further your kingdom today and every day? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Parents, you're dismissed. And uh, others, you can hang around. You can seek the Lord on your, on your knees.